commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome back to another edition of BOA Audio Season 10, the final season. Uh, We missed last week after the big Halloween shindig. Uh, There was a bit of a Halloween hangover, and uh, I finally was like, all right, got to get my act together and start scheduling these guests. And the weird thing is, because, like, the final season kind of like drag my feet on this in a sense because it's like I said at the end of the last show on the Halloween show, it's like I got to get these guests on who are our longtime guests who are like family who've been around for so long. And it's like I think I kind of was like hesitating a little bit because like, when I get Go Rightly on here, this is it. This is the last Go Rightly interview for, for God knows how long. So, uh, you know, guys like Paul Kimball and um, all the old friends. So, I kind of was dragging my feet, and then it's like, no, we got to do this, man. We, we've pushed forward through the final season and celebrate all the good times we've had and bring back our old friends. And I was looking at it uh, tonight. The first time, first of all, Adam Gorelli was the eighth guest we ever had on this show. Uh, so that's pretty fucking remarkable. And we interviewed him back in December of 2015, so almost 12 years ago. Uh, that's how long he's been associated with the program. And since that time, we've become great friends, and I hold him in the highest regard. He's one of the few people in this field who genuinely can make me laugh. <laughs> uh, he, he, he just makes me laugh every time I talk to him, and, and we have probably, <laughs> probably the highlight of my day might be uh, my daily Twitter exchanges with Adam Go Rightly. Um, and uh, and he, he sees the absurd in this in a way that I do as well, in a way that, and in a sense, very few people do. You know, very few people can really uh, dig into the absurd of the esoteric like Adam Go Rightly can. And uh, I've always appreciated that. And, and and I consider him, like I said, a dear friend. So welcome back to the show, man. I really do appreciate it. My co-star, in a sense, and <laughs> in the upcoming Phil the Hill and the Hole, Adam Go Rightly. Uh, welcome back to BOA Audio, brother. Hey, thanks, man. You said uh, our first interview was 2015. I don't think. <laughs> No, 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 2005. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, 2005. Okay. So 12 years ago. Wow. But this is season 10. How's that work? Shouldn't this be No, you know. <laughs> Do you miss I a couple wish. seasons along the way? Yeah, no, no. Well, I kind of took the year off last year. I kind of just chilled out, so, right. you know. Now we're back with sort of like the retirement tour, you know, like old-style mm-hmm. wrestling style. How many more shows? Probably like... 11, maybe? 11 more shows? 11 or 12? 
if I was going to put a hard cap on it, 15 more shows. But I'm thinking like 11 or 12. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're in the home stretch here. And like I said, it's wow. like there's a part of me, you know, the reality sets in. It's like, holy shit, dude. I interviewed Go Rightly 12 years ago, you know. He was the eighth guest ever, and here we are winding down. Yeah, that's, like, that's Jesus. crazy. Time flies. Yeah. For sure. So I can't thank you enough, man. I consider you one of my dearest friends in this field. I really do mean that. So, uh, you know, we've had some crazy adventures together, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so what – so I, I should have given you sort of like the professional radio intro, which is like you're the author of a whole shitload of Oh, no, 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 no. You've got to do all that. They, they know all that stuff. That's boring. So what have you been up to – it's been a couple of years since I talked to you. The last I talked to you, you had put out the Historia Discordia book. A couple of years since you yeah. talked to me. <laughs> no, 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 on the show, on the show. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, since I've shared you with the listeners, I mean, I'd like to keep you all to myself and get in adventures and, you know, run around, <laughs> go to the, <laughs> the Museum of Death in L.A. and all yeah. kinds of other uh, <laughs> haunting things. But well, I've been working on a, a bunch of uh, book projects. You mentioned the movie. We can get into that in a bit. Uh, finishing up a book with Greg Bishop on the uh, early UFO contactees. And that's about done. I've got a uh, bitchin' cover uh, done by Red Pill Junkie. You know that dude? Guess who's oh, yeah, dude. He's prolific, huh? Show recently. So there's that book. I've been working on... Uh, a book about UFO disinformation for about 10 years. <laughs> wow. And that, that's almost done. Maybe you'll see that uh, next year. I'm working on it 10 years because it really started out as a uh, article I was writing. You know, it was going to be like 10,000 words, and it kept growing and growing, and it got to be like 30,000 words. Like, okay, this needs to be a book, but I'm working on other books now, so... Set it aside. This is a book on UFO disinformation, you say? Disinformation, basically. Oh, just disinformation in general, not not specifically to UFOs? Specifically to UFOs. All right. Just like a dote, like a doty thing you're talking like in a sense? It, like, a, it, it includes, like, like that kind of? Uh, it includes doty in the story. It has to do with uh, the whole Dulce base mythos. Oh, nice. And... Uh, then as I started pulling these threads together, you know, like uh, a lot of uh, subjects, there, it links up to other <laughs> UFO events, things that looked like... Oh, yeah, it's all connected, well. yeah. So it just kept growing and growing. So there's that foot project. There's, yeah, we mentioned the uh, movie. So those are the main things. I do quite a bit on the uh, Historia Discordia site. Still a lot of... Uh, doing a lot of blog entries there. Yeah, it's funny. It seemed like uh, it had a little moment there a few years ago. Um, I saw it pop up in a lot of places, like major oh, yeah, yeah. It shows. Weird. When yeah. the uh, book came out, I was able to get uh, promotion through a few places and some uh, different uh, these uh, websites that get a lot of traffic picked up on articles or reviews of the book and a couple went kind of viral you know like uh what is it io9 that oh yeah io9 yeah i was thinking boing boing i thought i saw it on boing boing but boing boing we got some uh pub from boing boing so yeah they love that boing boing (laughs) so that uh 
helped uh, you know get the get the book rolling and uh, you know get it launched well, and so it's 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 done well, yeah. You seem like you'd have a strong hipster following. I'm surprised we didn't see a lot in L.A. A hipster uh, following? Yeah, yeah. They like counterculture shit, but they don't. They, mm-hmm. they want to be counterculture, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, young people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. Um, well, let's talk about the movie because I joked with you the other night when we okay. were setting this up that that uh, somebody on Leslie Gunter's wall. Posted, mm-hmm. um, posted. Uh, they were like, "Trailer's good, but I wish they would explain what the movie's about or something like that." <laughs> I was like, "That's just not the. Post. It's the first trailer, dude. I think I wrote that. I'm like, it's the first trailer, man. Like, have some patience. But Trailers give us normally some... don't tell you the whole story, <laughs> and it's kind of like uh, if you saw a trailer for uh, Twin Peaks. It's like, yeah. what, what's that about? Oh. <laughs> well, someone did say it's, it seems very David Lynchian in the movie. So, um, I, th- I think so maybe. in certain respects. And the uh, filmmakers, it was co-directed by Christopher Ernst and Bill Darman. They're definitely influenced by uh, Twin Peaks, you know, and a uh, little Jim Jarmish in there. And you know, it's, it's kind of a mix of. Um, some of the humor you find in Twin Peaks, but also, uh, you know, a hardcore occult horror type thing. So, you know, it's a it's a mix of things, and it's basically has to do the themes of Fortiana run through it, you know, with mystery mounds and the strange energies that uh, happen, events that happen around mounds. So that's that's part of the story. Yeah, well, I guess in a sense the it's so I I I assume you would have gotten this question in a sense, but it's like uh, how how did you end up winding how did you wind up starring in a in a movie like because folks need to understand in a sense like this is a movie movie this isn't a documentary yeah <laughs> this is like a real yeah. a movie a feature length film yeah feature length film it's an independent uh, production but these guys are uh, serious. Uh, you know, filmmakers and uh, very talented filmmakers. Yeah, how I in, ended up in it. Um, one of the uh, co-directors, Bill Darman, I've known him through social media for a few years, and he, he's into these subjects, Fortiana and conspiracies, and uh, the work of William Grimstead and uh, Downard, and these type of things, and you know, mystery mounds and. Uh, things of that nature, and so he had a uh, video series he was doing, I think it's still active, called Mandate 33, kind of a weird America thing where him and a buddy of his traveled around the country filming some of these weird sites and interviewing uh, folks, researchers, and uh, two, three years ago, he interviewed myself and uh, Greg Bishop there at Devil's Gate, where we checked out during uh, Paramania, so had that yeah. relationship uh, going with him. He's uh, Bill Darman's had a uh, goal for many years to, uh, you know, produce a uh, feature-length film, and this is his baby, and it's based on a uh, Fritz Lieber short story called 
the hill in the hole, and he, I guess, for some crazy reason, <laughs> he saw me as one of the characters in the film, even though I had zip, you know, for acting experience. And, you know, it's a mix of uh, some of us with uh, no acting experience and a lot of more seasoned actors in the film as well. Hmm. Well, it was interesting. I, I forget. I think I was talking about this on the show, but it was... Uh... I'm in the movie, folks. I have a cameo. Yeah. I play T- Tiny, Adam's sidekick. Um, I forgot to And it was an amazing... <laughs> ah, don't worry. <laughs> I'm trying to downplay it in a sense, because people are going to see it, and they're going to be like, but no, what the fuck? You were in for ten seconds. Like, <laughs> you're, you're not in the movie. You're just, you're just, you just have, like, three lines. So I well, have a cameo that's, that's in the movie. something. You, you that's did true. Well, and too. I have a... Ca- yeah, I mean, my character has a name, so... You know, it was kind of weird when we were <laughs> filming that because uh, doing this acting stuff, you know, you got to get in kind of get your head in the uh, space, but then sometimes you're just uh, observing what's uh, going on. So we have the, the little, trying to remember the lines, it's like uh, you're telling this guy, you can't, uh, hey, bub, you can't come in here, and I say, uh, uh, that's okay, Tiny. I don't think this gentleman's here to indulge in our delicacies. Yes, that's the line, yeah. And then you turned and gave me this look like, what the fuck's going on? And when you did that, when we, <laughs> when we were uh, filming the scene, you gave me that funny look. I, I was going, what the fuck's Benal looking at me weird like that for? <laughs> and I went on with <laughs> I was the acting. acting. Yeah, then I thought, like, oh, of course he was acting. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you that's, did a good. That's weird. <laughs> I know. That's the only that's time weird, that really yeah. happened in the film, and I. But yeah, wow. Was, uh, we we did that scene in a uh, fry dough truck, and it was like uh, 120 degrees in there with the, that fry bin going. But uh, yeah, it was crazy, but it was so hot, <laughs> and the and the oil was like. <laughs> going and it was it was like late at night almost at that point it was like 10 or 11 and like the moths would like fly into the into the i don't know the the, the truck and uh yeah i started they, scooping them out of there <laughs> they'd flop into the into the hot oil and you hear like and everyone would kind of look and there'd be like a huge moth just cooking in the in the fried dough oil it was crazy yeah it was quite a trip i enjoyed it a lot it was interesting that was yeah, sort of what I was setting up in a sense was it was just very interesting because you, you obviously spent a lot more time with these guys. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I was talking about this on the show or not, but it, but I did say this to somebody else where it's like the – there's just a whole sort of like subculture, um, a familial thing. I don't, wanna, I don't like want to say cult or anything because like people working together, there's a communal – feeling of like people and they're traveling all over the country. It's just very weird, like circusy. I guess that's probably a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Sort of like this traveling troop feeling to the to the to the proceedings I got the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a couple of those guys drove like all the way across country to you know, they filmed you guys filmed something in New Mexico or whatever, and then these two dudes drove like forty eight hours straight across the country to film in mass. And it was like and they're all up at all these hours of the night. It's just like really crazy it had a real crazy sort of like like rock and roll around the country vibe to it you know yeah they're pretty hardcore man it wore me out i mean i'm like uh probably 
20 years older than the average <laughs> person in the film, and uh, some of it was uh, pretty uh, physical uh, acting. I had to drag this one guy around, uh, Billy, <laughs> during several scenes. He weighs about 180 pounds, you know, and the director asked me, sure, and drag his ass around, and after, after doing that... <laughs> Several times over the uh, course of a few days, I was whooped. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, it, it was, was long, long hours and a lot of uh, travel, a bunch of uh, vagabonds. But you know, like you say, it's kind of a group effort. You all pull together to push through and get it done. And the, oh yeah, the believe thing. me, I was envious watching the whole the whole thing go down, you know? Mm-hmm. I was sitting on the sidelines, essentially, where I was just like, Jesus, dude, you've been with this... <laughs> you you <laughs> you went off and joined the circus, go rightly. Like, what is... This is amazing. This is awesome. I want to be... I want to be traveling all over the country. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, filming in the desert and shit. This is, this is wild, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's really cool. And they... They expect the movie to be out sometime in 2018. I mean, the trailer's out, folks, and we'll have a link on the But All of America page. Yeah for it but it looks outstanding i'll be honest it really it really really looks fantastic i think so yeah it's scheduled 2018 they're in post-production now there's something just surreal about uh i can't wait to see the 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 full length scene that i'm in but it's it's like Mm -hmm. something really surreal about um like being in being in that like three-dimensional Space, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then seeing it on the mo- in the on on the screen. Do you know what I mean? That makes any sense. Yeah, and you know they film it from several different angles, so you probably have uh, an image of your mind how it's going to look, and it might look quite quite a bit different from uh, how you're envisioning it. You know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I shall be concerned when, when, if they just show like the back of my head the whole time. I'd be like, oh, Jesus, I must be really ugly. Oh, no, I'm sure they'll get your uh, mug in the uh, one scene where... (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it was was cool. Spent some quality time in a uh, fry dough truck. Yeah, well, it's it's certainly... It's a night I won't uh, soon forget because it was so interesting. You know, I was engrossed by the whole process, so... In my character... I was going yeah. to say my character is kind of a uh, wisecracking, Freemasonic, kind of sociopathic fry cook who's also kind of a cult leader. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, of mo- a lot of moving parts there. He's a very rich and complex character. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's... it's it, I... I, I I want to see the movie because we're in it, especially because mm-hmm. you're in it. Like, you have a real role in it. But it's like, I think I would enjoy the movie otherwise anyway because it's very esoteric-sounding. So, and Did you, like, cons- I thought you, did you consult on this at all and form them? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go as far as to say you had a hand in writing, but I'm not sure. I think we talked something about how you, you, you know, at least lent thoughts or something, right? Yeah, I wrote uh, some of the dialogue, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't really know a percentage off the top of my uh, head, but, uh, you know, I was kind of given that uh, 
free reign to uh, kind of work with the uh, dialogue, and I added uh, a few things here and there. So, yeah, I definitely put a stamp on uh, my role in the film and came up with the stuff like the uh, Chef Boyardee chef hat I wear and the... <laughs> yeah, I love that hat. We're doing that, and, uh, yeah, the kind of doing the chain-smoking thing, and, you know, those were all elements I added to the film. Well, you are not, you're an auteur, I think is the word. <laughs> so, yeah, very much uh, looking forward to that. And I mentioned possibly doing a, a premiere there uh, back in your neck of the woods. So, I'll, you know, stay tuned for that. If they I do a premiere I, all the time, I believe yeah, I'll, that, yeah. I'll, I'll try to make it for sure. Yeah. You have to rent a tuxedo, I think. <laughs> so it works. Uh, I'll rent a tuxedo if you do. But then we might yeah. be only two in tuxedo. So. I had to wear a tuxedo in the film. That was enough. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, I forgot about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you did wear a tuxedo in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And a, and a jumpsuit. So we... <laughs> and a jumpsuit. Yeah, there's... And an apron. Uh, yeah, the apron. I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, we're in the uh, this kind of pseudo Masonic lodge, and I'm, oh, I'm, at, at, the, I'm at the dough the, apron. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that too, but <laughs> <laughs> but in the lodge, I'm in a uh, tuxedo. Then we kind of uh, kidnap this dude, and we, <laughs> me and my partner, we get in these green jumpsuits. That's when we do business as far as uh, perhaps sacrificing people, doing that type of stuff. Oh, geez. Anyway, I don't want yeah, I don't give too much of it away now. We don't want yeah. that guy on Facebook not to see it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, now he's like, oh, I know enough. I'm not, I'm not sad. <laughs> Shouldn't he given away so much? They'll be committed to a 180 now and be like, you guys gave too much away. It's like, what, what do you yeah. want to see the movie? How much, how much do you need to know? It's just a uh, trailer. It's supposed to tease to get you interested in actually watching the film. Then you find out what it's about. Yeah, and quite frankly, if you're listening to this show, it's a movie with Adam Go Rightly and briefly me in it. So that's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, what exactly? You don't need to know any more than that. That's uh, I, I would see I would see a movie with me and Go Rightly in an heartbeat. <laughs> me too. Um, <laughs> kind of now, crazy. What if it becomes? It is. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I hope it does. I hope we get like a, a Jay and Silent Bob spinoff movie. Yeah, they're you know they're going to shoot for different uh, mediums like Netflix, you know, and uh, so we'll, we'll see where it ends up. Yeah. Um. Well, we joke a lot on the thing on Twitter about the this whole unfolding conspiracy uh, Trump Russia thing, and I'm sorry, folks, we're probably going to get in, we're definitely going to get into all that because that's 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 what Adam and I, <laughs> yeah, that's what Adam and I talk about. A lot on there, um, and I, I guess I'll sort of frame it in a start about how I had Ken Thomas on, and we mar- I'm all about this with him, and I've talked about it with other people on the show, but I'm interested in your take, just mm-hmm. sort of just like how crazy the world has become from the perspective of people like you and me, especially you. You've been in this way longer than I have, so it's like how cons- how the world is just like a giant conspiracy theory now where before it was like all this stuff was verboten, and now it's like 
it's not necessarily verboten, but in a sense it's like you have to pick what conspiracy camp you're in, and you fight for yeah. the for the turf with the other with the other conspiracy theorists who are like <laughs> it's just giant mainstream conspiracy theory camps in a sense. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Man, I've gotten pretty uh, cynical in the last few years. A lot of the conspiracies stuff that's being uh, promoted really got uh, burned out through the election and the ongoing circus that's (laughs) going on and the real and fake conspiracies and where one ends and the other begins. A lot, you know, a lot of the uh, things um, that came out of the election, I feel, you know, it was just straight up political propaganda. That you know, Ted Cruz's father is <laughs> involved in the uh, some way in the assassination, not and on PizzaGate, uh, Seth Rich uh, stuff. I don't know what the latest one uh, is still, you know. The uranium one uh, stuff, and it goes on and on, which I feel, you know, a lot of those are uh, bullshit. And I was telling somebody this one day, but then I started going on about the Trump-Russia stuff and this and that. And they they go, well, you're getting into another conspiracy here. And I go, well, yeah, that's true, but I think this one has legs. Right, exactly. That's, That's the thing, yeah. It's like you either you either think that there's a Trump Russia conspiracy, or you think that like, or the Trump Russia conspiracy is a conspiracy it's created by the media. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's fucking crazy. <laughs> it really is. Let me tell you about another book project, uh, which okay. is down, okay. down the road a couple of years. Even though I've been working on it, it's one of those things I get uh, all wound up and got to get stuff down on paper. Get obsessed yeah. for a few weeks, you know, then <laughs> uh, set it aside. And it's, uh, you know, something I'll finish in a, a couple of years ago, and it uh, has elements of all of this stuff, all the uh, craziness in the uh, campaign, all these conspiracy theories Trump was promoting, you know, the Trump-Russia stuff. But it, I really started this with the... Uh, Take over the Malheur Wildlife Refuge. Remember that? Uh, in like Washington or Pacific Northwest? Mm hmm. And a lot of yeah. that ended up overlapping with a lot of, you know, those guys buy into a lot of uh, conspiracies, Bundy's and that bunch. And a lot of that overlapped with, you know, the uh, conspiracies that were uh, floated, conspiracy theories floated during the uh, campaign. And, uh, you know, it seems like the uh, Russian uh, influence campaign, if you will call it that, and assume that it's a, a real thing, <laughs> I think it is, they really targeting these militia groups uh, for many years now. And I, f- I first noted it, noticed it, uh, well, for instance, uh, you know, that uh, the Malheur thing ended up in a shooting of Lavoie Finnegan. Yeah. Remember yeah. the cowboy guy? So Yeah, I followed the... that story closely. I'm fascinated. I hope you mentioned okay. that kid that was like one of the last ones to... Yeah, d- The David little Trump. wiry kid that they fucking left behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they all left. He was a little annoying kid and they left him. And like, oh, I, that's yeah, the impression I, I get. 
I was following that still stuff real close, and they were live streaming there at right, the wildlife yeah. refuge when the FBI very dramatic, uh, crazy shit, and I'll probably write about that too. But you know, there's all these uh, conspiracy theories too that these guys buy in to, and a lot of it's from Russian influence and alt right stuff. You know, things that get promoted, call it the right wing fringe of the right wing conspiracies and one of them you know after Lavoy Finnegan got shot was that <laughs> it was an on account that, that it, the basic uh, story was Hillary killed Finnegan over uranium one and so that's been something <laughs> that, I'm serious they, it's been right out pushed, pushed for a while and uh, part of it I think they latched onto it or whoever devised this little uh version of the uh, story did because, you know, part of this whole Uranium One and the group that the Canadian group that was involved in this and doing mining, they were going to mine in an area of Oregon in Malheur County, which isn't the same county where the Malheur Wildlife Refuge is. You know, it's a ways away, but they latched on to that. Oh, Malheur, we'll tie this into the Malheur Wildlife Refuge and that it's basically the Bureau of Land Management. They want to come in and take all the ranchers' uranium, and they killed uh, Lavoie Finnegan over that. In, in specifically, Hillary <laughs> oversaw this. Weird. That's now, just now, strange, the connection uh, people make. Well, there's a design behind it. <laughs> I don't think I, it's so, oh, See, they... This, the story is being pushed in a sense, yeah. Yeah. I first noticed, uh, it's probably two and a half, well, maybe in early 2015. I'd kind of seen some of this stuff over the years, but it didn't make a lot of sense. These memes where, for instance, you had uh, Putin and Obama in a meme, and, you know, Putin is good, <laughs> Obama's bad, whatever. Obama has devil horns and, like, uh, uh, Putin's a patriot or whatever. And these same groups latched on to this stuff. It was being fed to them, you know, the militia, sovereign citizens movement, that whole bunch. And around that same time, you know, I pay attention to, like, Jeff Rents and uh, Alex Jones, and they're all kind of in lockstep with a lot of this stuff. I remember hearing a uh, Jeff Rents show where he started going on about Putin, how he was a great statesman, you know, this is a few, <laughs> two and a half, three years, and I go, what? Where, how did this uh, start? I mean, that doesn't jibe with anything. I know. I'm amazed you're things. still listening to Jeff Rents. I get, I got burned out, but I, I just wanted to see what was <laughs> going on, and that was one of the things. He was uh, pushing that, and I became intrigued. When did this really start, you know, and... Uh, there's a friend of mine on Twitter, J.J. McNabb. Are you uh, familiar with her? No. She is I'll, the I'll, exp- I'll look her up. Yeah, she is the expert on the sovereign citizens movement, which is kind of an umbrella that takes in all these groups like militia groups and the constitutional sheriffs and uh, these kind of weird fake judges. They're all part of this <laughs> sovereign citizens movement. And they, they buy into a lot of this uh, stuff. And so she's she's been tracking this, and she really saw the Russian influence start uh, 
you know, uh, pushing it out through social media and whatnot in like 2008. They really started with a lot of these memes, and they'll get turned on and off. She follows these groups, and she saw, you know, like when uh, the election primary started for the Republicans or whether it's like all these uh, bots and these sites became <laughs> became active. But like I was saying, she noticed that in like 2008 with Alex Jones, all of a sudden Alex Jones started peering on uh, RT, and he was presented yeah. at, as a expert in uh, like Russian conflicts, like in Georgia, you know, and <laughs> she, it was one of those odd things that jumped out. It hurts like, why? Why is what the, the fuck's this guy? <laughs> An expert? Something's wrong with this. He's an expert, you know, like Sebastian Gorka is. Not really. And so she right. saw it, it kind of starting back then and infuse itself into uh, social media. So you know, this has been going on for a while, and that's kind of trying to tie all these things together in this book that I'll do in a couple of years with all of this, how it, you know, uh, how it, this whole thing ties into the sovereign citizens movement and the 26 election and the current craziness we're in. Well, it's interesting when you think about it, because it's like, I mean, you like to hope that the U.S. government's smart and has all these, like, you know, they're so far ahead of the game and shit, but it's like, I don't... Mm-hmm. I highly, I mean, if the stories they say about Russia are true, it's like, I highly doubt that we have warehouses full of dudes who speak Russian, like, infiltrating the, the Russian Internet to stir chaos in their society. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, hey, man, we may have the UFO technology, but we we blew it when it came to warehouses full of <laughs> Russians. Like, well, it's, it's, you got to think simple, on, I guess. It's been an ongoing thing between... You know, Russia, Soviet Union intelligence agencies and our agencies fighting, you know, the cold disinfo war over the years, you know. The way Oh, I'm sure. I just think we got caught with our pants down on this in a sense. Like I, I like I said, well, I find it hard to believe that maybe maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. They had uh I mean social media crept up on us fast and they had uh I won't say well Maybe to some degree they were. I history will tell us, and we'll find out in the next years. You know uh, how much yeah. uh, influence they had with these different uh, platforms like Facebook and Twitter, and I mean stuff's coming out every day that, that <laughs> turned out that ninety nine hundred million dollars were uh, put into Facebook by one of these uh, Russian oligarchs that you know is tight with. Um, Putin. Putin, yeah. And, you know, initially they came out and said, oh, no, it didn't have any effect on the uh, election. It was like, oh, yeah, okay, it did have some effects. We did have these bots and whatnot, but we're getting rid of them. It was a couple hundred, and we got paid, you know. Yeah, yeah, they made it out to be like, it was only like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what I'm getting to, this kind of uh, crept up on a lot of people. You know, different people saw it happening, but uh, didn't realize how crazy it could get, you know. Now they're trying to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, like that's what I mean. We don't, we had no, we didn't anticipate a a Russian warehouse full of American 
English-speaking people causing trouble and chaos and mm-hmm. stuff. It's like we kind of were like there was this utopian effect of the Internet where it's like now we can all get along and, you know, <laughs> other people were yeah, like here's how we can ruin it for everyone. The rub there is, okay, yeah, freedom of speech. Uh, any knowledge, information is good, you know, but it's like <laughs> when it uh, there's influence going on, they're buying these fake personas and seeding this stuff into the popular conscience. You know, it's pretty insidious. Yeah, it's diabolical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. It's, it's, once again, it's like when I saw that meme of those memes years ago of uh, – Putin and uh, Obama is like one of those things, memes you see on the internet. And what the fuck's that? Whatever. Yeah. Click, click through to something else, but that resonates with some people, and they see enough of those images, you know. It, 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 it sets itself in our group uh, consciousness. Yeah, there certainly seems to be something to the, the, the meme, you know, the memeness of it all. It's like people, they love their fucking memes, dude. You know, <laughs> I've never really got into yeah. it, but it's like there are people, there's a certain subculture people that that's like their, mm-hmm. that's their shit. They think memes are awesome. It's like, yeah, I don't really, I'm not, I've never really, you know, maybe one in a thousand makes me kind of like uh, have a, a chuckle. Well, it's, it's a combination of memes, you know, and bots and the whole fake uh, news sites and whatnot. Yeah, that was, yeah. It's just weird now, man, because, you know, they, they had all these fake news sites, as you said, but now now the word, now fake news doesn't mean that anymore. Now fake news well, yeah. just like means, <laughs> it's it's essentially like means you're a liar. That's 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 what fake news means. It's so, it's so fucking well, yeah, lazy, Trump, though. That's what I hate Trump about and, it. Trump and his propaganda <laughs> pretty good at, you know, playing those games and turning things around. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, where do you see this going, in a sense? Because uh, you and I were talking about this the other night, where it's like, uh, I thought we were, that, mm-hmm. that they, or maybe I was about to mention it on the show, actually, yeah, before the show started. It's like they made those arrests a couple of weeks ago, but then nothing seems to have happened. So what do you, what do you foresee <laughs> how this unfolding? You, what do you want, all the arrests to happen at one time and uh, get over with this and... Uh... <laughs> I suppose, I, yeah. I, no, it it'll happen. I think there's going to be uh I mean a lot more indictments coming. It's uh if you read the tea leaves, yeah, there's a lot of people that are caught up in this. And if you look at uh just for instance this uh Papadopoulos and you look yeah, at the yeah. charge look at the charges against him. Uh, they got him to do a plea deal, but what they had hanging over him was, uh, number one, he lied to the FBI. If you lie right. to federal investigators, pop, that's five years. And then they added on obstruction of justice because he lied to them concerning an ongoing investigation. Right. So that was a total of 30 years, so they were able to get a plea deal. Look at everybody who's in Trump's orbit. You don't think <laughs> the initial... They lied, line, too. That's, yes. Yeah, the FBI. And this started in the middle of uh, 2016, so the FBI was working on this long before Mueller. And I was envisioning my mind, you know, that early on... And I've, I've heard there was uh, FBI 
several months ago talked to Don Jr. and Eric Trump. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how they got set up by these? Uh, the FBI came in there. Maybe they uh, spent in somebody gullible, you know. Hey, guys, uh, I just need to ask a few questions. I'm with the FBI. My boss, you know, told me to come over here. Hey, I got to. Can you sign this autograph of uh, Trump and you with your your dad? And I really love you guys, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'll go through these questions, ask them a few questions. And, oh, yeah, they want me to ask you about Russia. You guys have any contacts with the uh, Russians during the campaign? No, I didn't think so. WikiLeaks? Oh, no, I didn't think you would. Okay. Hey, well, thanks for your time. Uh, we'll be in touch. A couple right, months now they later, got him for lying to the FBI. <laughs> uh, come in. Uh, you said you didn't talk to WikiLeaks. Can you take a look at these... Uh, uh, direct messages we have on uh, <laughs> Twitter. Where the hell did you get those? I've, I've heard for quite a while that, uh, you know, there's all these citizen journalists and journalists on Twitter I follow. And you, you see documents uh, leaked now and then, and uh, some of them are a little bit redacted, but it was like they say, well, this is the uh, FISA order that went out for uh, Twitter for Julian Assange's account, and I've heard that a couple times uh, over the last year or so that some of those uh, FISA warrants were for, you know, stuff on Twitter accounts. Interesting. So it, That would make sense in a way, because, like, these people, yeah, you know, you Roger, would almost think Roger, that they would. Yeah, Roger Stone, yeah. Yeah, on and on. That they, so we can, they would just get lazy and... Well, the thing that's interesting in a sense is like, like you're talking about how they could easily have these two dudes already wrapped up. It's like all, all you need really is for the Papadopoulos guy to flip, and then once that happens, it's. Uh, what, what we what you don't we don't know who else is who knew uh, Papadopoulos. I I had seen his name a few times, and I, there was a few people that saying, well, this this guy is key, but he wasn't in any of the major. Uh, Media stories weren't really focusing on him. They'd mention, you see what a key player is he is now. There's going to be people, there's names you recognize, the Manaforts and the Flynn's and all those, but there's all the underlings that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they're, they're they, looking at possibly like 30 years in prison, so they're not. Yeah, and they work their way up. They're going to they say whatever their, it takes. They work their way up like a, uh, they do with uh, drug cartels and Mafia bosses. So, so we, how do you? What we, do you think we, the end result is going to be, though? How do? What do you think? How do? You, how do you think this is going to shake out? What's the Donald going to do, dude? He's he's under attack now. <laughs> um, I see. You know, there'll be continued indictments. They'll be strategically strategic. You know, they'll happen over time. Like all the, all this national security little group that was for the campaign with Sessions and these other guys and Papadopoulos. They're, <laughs> they're, they're all in trouble. <clears throat> and uh, then there's the whole digital campaign with Facebook, you know. Kushner was involved in this. Plus, you know, they start looking at all this money laundering and uh, stuff. So it'll go on over time, and there'll be indictments. They'll be strategic, I think, uh, Mueller will be careful when he finally 
indicts like the Trump uh, family members that it's going to be it'll get progressively weirder from there, you know, just uh, <laughs> Donald totally unleashed. And uh, eventually it'll spell his uh, doom. I mean, you can say, well, can he pardon everybody? Well, not exactly, no. There's already been talk that Mueller has talked to the uh, attorney general in New York that is his name Schneiderman, and they're yeah, working yeah, yeah. indictments that are state indictments that it can't be pardoned. So, uh, you know, Mueller has a lot of uh, levers and cards to play. And then, you know, say uh, Flynn gets in, indicted for all kinds of ugly stuff. You know, they, you might have heard the story about kidnapping, and on and on and on. So. He gets indicted for that stuff, and it looks real ugly. He, there might be ugly stuff we don't know, and Trump goes and pardons him. <laughs> Talk about, you know, firing Co- Comey or, or Mueller. You know, those are like tipping points where eventually it will spell his doom. I think uh, eventually he'll... Uh, he could be impeached. You know, it depends on what happens 2018 with if Congress flips or whatever, he, or he might be just so uh, tired of this shit and worried about his legal fate that he'll work some deal with uh, Congress, uh, work a deal where he can try to uh, resign without too much legal consequences. And at the end of the day, I don't think he cares about <laughs> anybody but himself. Right. And so yeah, I think that's going to play, play out, and I think uh, a year from now it's just going to be insane. Okay, so you think it's going to be like about another year? Oh, no, I th- it could be a couple years. It could really? Be, that uh, long? Yeah, it could get easily, you know, you know how he is when he gets cornered. Yeah. It'll well, get, it seems like what? he's kind of cornered now, but who knows? It, 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 well, he it's is. It's a very he, slow process. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I think eventually, yeah, he'll be uh, forced out. Now, I got I got a weird, uh, you probably haven't heard this, a kind of uh, conspiracy twist to all, this whole thing, the Trump-Russia deal. Nice. All right, <laughs> what is it? People are probably tuning out, tired of all this crap. but <clears throat> um, We haven't done this topic in a while, so it's cool. Okay. Um, so the shooting in Las Vegas, I'm not going to, you know, get on a conspiracy well i sort of am with the shooting Las Vegas. i'm intrigued already because i i'm intrigued by this weird this very weird uh shooting so yeah so i was following it on twitter when it happened you know i use uh tweet deck and you can get another tab going that's exclusively to the las vegas shooting and uh you know the details started coming out it didn't sound good but immediately anytime you do that uh, you have those bots pop up, and that's part of the thing with changing the narrative <laughs> with these stories. And you can block the bots or whatever, get to the real journalist. But, you know, it was coming out. There was a photo of the supposed shooter uh, with Sam Hyde. It's <laughs> does it, Have you heard the Sam Hyde uh, thing? It gets pushed out by, uh, it's a joke with Reddit. Is it 4chan or something, right? Or 4chan, excuse me, 4chan. It, every, every shooting or whatever, they say, well, they've, Here's the uh, shooter, Sam Hyde. He's like with ISIS, or they've identified him with 
Antifa. <laughs> this shit started immediately coming out, you know, so I kind of tuned that out. And, uh, of course, there was conflicting reports you always got with these shootings, so a lot of conspiracy theories started coming up. But, uh, you know, and so... Um, Videos started coming out, and uh, there was one video of just seen from a distance. You could hear a lot of uh, shooting going on. But then this, the second video, one of the first videos to come out, is this guy with a uh, big black beard and a black cowboy hat. He's like in his uh, mid to late 30s. And he has his smartphone there, and he's running. You can hear the shooting in the background. He's, oh, shit, this is crazy. This girl got shot in the head. This is fucking off the wall, man. He's running and breathing and whatever. Have you seen Just that? He's like looking at the dead bodies and shit? No, he's he's running from the scene right as the shooting. Okay, okay. Off. Yeah. I, have you seen that? I've seen one where a dude like, is, it's like after the shooting and he's like, look, he's like, it's very grab. It's like, it's like faces of death shit. Where it's no. like he's, he, okay, all right, sorry, we're thinking different radio. Go on. Yeah. And so... When I saw that, I was like, well, that's kind of odd, you know? Something didn't feel right about it. I mean, who uh, films himself when a shooting's going on? But then I go, well, I guess <laughs> maybe a lot of people would do that. I don't I don't have a <laughs> yeah. phone. Right, and that's <laughs> that'd be the last thing I'd think about uh, filming a video of myself. Yeah, <laughs> sadly, there are that, some people that's the first thing they would think about. If you like, I gotta get this on tape, man. So this popped up immediately, and uh, it showed up uh, like uh, within 50 minutes of the shooting on uh, GatewayPundit.com. You familiar with them? Yeah, it's one of those bullshit <laughs> fake sites. Probably Russian-funded propaganda. You see stories by Roger Stone and blah 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 on there, and. Uh, Gateway Pundit was saying they confirmed the shooter was ISIS or some crazy shit. <clears throat> and so, anyway, that video is like weird. What the, what the hell? And so I went and I was turned on the TV a little later, and I'm watching the scene, the aftermath, and I see, here's the cowboy hat dude. He doesn't have his cowboy hat, but it's obviously him. The uh-huh. dude with the uh, beard, and he's like in front of a... Uh, cop car and I go okay well I guess this dude was uh, legit there was nothing weird about that I guess and uh, so the next thing I know I'm, it might have been the next day I'm on Twitter and a photo pops up <clears throat> of this guy his name's Dan Blitzerian you familiar with that name oh yeah okay yeah 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 He's the guy who's like he's like a, a he's like an heir to some kind of fortune or something, and he's like a he's like an online celebrity of sorts. And I think he either was in the Navy SEALs or he tried to be or something like that. Yeah, you got the story right. He's the king of Instagram. You'll there you see, go. He has all these photos. He's constantly. He's a gun fanatic too, and he has he's all kinds a, of women in bikinis around him and shit. Yeah, he goes out and blows crap up in the California. He's like a human yeah, Maxim magazine. Mm-hmm. He's like that. Uh, <laughs> Remember that Asian guy used to, Donnie Ho or whatever his name was, he had these commercials where, I'm Donnie Ho, I've made millions selling properties, you can too. He have all these women in bikini around him and gold chains. It's like, 
that's the scene he's got. He's constantly surrounded by a dozen women, and he's yeah, he's got this arsenal of weapons, and he's uh, supposedly made his uh, fortune uh, by playing poker, high stakes uh-huh. poker. And so anyway, I didn't really know all that backstory about him, but I see this photo pop up, and there's a few people looking at him, and there's a photo of <laughs> this dude with Donald Trump. They're they're sitting at a uh, table. It looks you know they're relaxed. It's like it's like they're hanging out. You know, it wasn't like uh, Trump takes photos with thousands of people a year. This was like they spent some time together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something that I go, what, what in the fuck? This is weird. Is this size starts? This is probably Photoshop or something. Somebody's creating it. Well, no, they actually met, and the photo was from a, a story in Breitbart at the <laughs> end of 20, 2015, This. Uh, Blitzerian was kind of running for president, but then when he found Trump was running, he stepped back, and Trump's my man. So he's hang, hanging out with him. It was kind of a uh, weird deal, and, you know, people started speculating, oh, what the hell's going on here, you know? It's, it's, yeah. But then more photos showed up. There's a, uh, you'll see a photo with uh, Blitzerian and uh, Dana Rohrbacher. Are you familiar with him? Mm, no, that name doesn't ring a bell. He's a, an emerging uh, character in this whole Trump-Russia thing. He's known as okay. uh, Putin's congressman. <laughs> oh, the California the guy. He's the guy that asked, uh, he was in a NASA hearing earlier this year, and he asked if uh, he asked about ancient civilizations on Mars. <laughs> and the guy was I like, think... the guy was saying something like, we're talking about water, man. We don't know anything. <laughs> like, there's, no, there's no pyramids and shit. You know, that's, and he's like, okay, all right. That's the dude, and he's been all, involved in all kinds of uh, hinky uh, stuff. He was involved in some weird thing to get. He met with Julian Assange a couple months ago, and he met with the lawyer who met with Don Jr. a couple months beforehand. <laughs> Years ago, the FBI warned him, you're being recruited by uh, Soviets, dude, or the Russians. He brushed it off. Rah, 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 rah. He's he's the same guy they caught Paul Ryan and somebody else on tape laughing about. Yeah, Rohrbach. He gets his Trump. money from Russia. Yeah. Yeah. So that's there's so there's a picture of uh, Blitzerian <laughs> with Rohrbacher and also Rand Paul hanging out. Uh, some pointed to uh, Rand Paul as uh, suspicious as well. Uh, so uh, so it's kind of a I don't think anybody is really, you know, these people were looking at this initially and weren't quite sure what to make of it, but the parallels are that, number one, this guy, <laughs> Blitzerian, has this huge cache of weapons. You know, so so did the uh, shooter there. Blitzerian's a professional poker player. So is this, uh, the dude, what's his name, Paddock, who did the uh, shooting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Upper odd uh Parallels. It turns out that uh, uh, if you get on uh, Wikipedia and look at Blitzerian, uh, his critics say that uh, he didn't really make his fortune playing poker. That his uh, he got he's a trust fund dude, and his dad was into money money laundering big time. Yeah. And uh, so you, you can go down a bunch of. Uh, 
tributaries with this, but, you know, it's interesting. They're starting to look at uh, a lot of these uh, offshore uh, gambling uh, poker sites as money laundering. They found some, some of them turned up in uh, this Trump-Russia thing that uh, apparently Trump has a lot of <laughs> these, uh, like, uh, shell business that are the, uh, you know, these... Uh, poker, offshore poker, uh, gambling stuff. And, I mean, it comes into what a perfect way to launder money with uh, professional gambling or these offshore accounts. I mean, you know. <laughs> so yeah, all that's weird. Stuff, yeah, all this stuff may, uh, may be Come connected out. in some weird damn way. It's, it's certainly curious. I said, what the hell? Let's deal with all this. If you see Blitzerian... Uh, he was interviewed by uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. He's actually, you know, a pretty f- fucking <laughs> interesting uh, guy, you know, somebody you'd want to hang out with. Yeah, he seems like a character, that's for sure. Yeah. But then, yeah. But then he has gotten into some... Uh, there's a well, it's, there's a whole weird, like, there's a whole weird, like, uh, subculture, like, of sort of like a Roger Stoney, Alex yeah, Jonesian... Yeah. Like, um, weird, I don't even know what you, like, I guess all writers, not really, but like sort of conspiracy, um, well, milieu, a bullion base of characters, you know what I mean? There's other people, I can't remember their names, but, you know. It all overlaps under that umbrella of what, you know, what the hell is alt-right. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. A lot, of, a lot of different stuff, you know. All right, but well, anyway, it's amazing. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, that's the weird Dan Blitzerian angle. It's it's odd, yeah, yeah. I heard he, like, I heard when the shooting happened, he was trying to, like, he he didn't have his guns with him, so he tried to convince a police officer to, <laughs> oh, <laughs> to give yeah, him. Here, here, here's, here's the sto- story there. Uh, so he did a couple of videos, and this guy's always photographing himself and shit, and doing videos and putting it on Instagram. Right earlier, when you said who would who would be who would, <laughs> he was he would the guy who would film it when it happened, folks. He he is that guy. He's the king of Instagram. So, so there's the first one where he's running his cowboy hat. Oh fucking, this uh, crazy man. And the next one, he put a video. You see him in his uh, truck. Well, I'm in my truck now. I'm, I'm I had to. I wish I can't believe I didn't bring my weapon or whatever, so I'm driving back to get something. I'm going to go back and uh, help out with what's going on there. I said, oh, there, there's another video. I got back now, but apparently they've apprehended the uh, guy or whatever. But news accounts came out that uh, apparently Blitzarians is one of these auxiliary type uh, police officers, you know? Yeah. Basically, whatever they do, ride-alongs and whatever, hang out with cops. So he has some type of auxiliary badge or whatever. So he showed up there and he wanted, you told him he was a uh, cop. And, yeah, maybe he did try to get a gun because when I saw him on CNN, he had the blue surgical gloves on like he was uh, <laughs> getting in. And when the cops figured out, hey, dude, you don't belong here, they tried to get the, get the fuck out of here, so... As all of that's going on, he has time to upload his video to uh, gatewaypundit.com. Yeah, I guess, but I mean, it's weird. Anyone, someone who's sort of like a, 
who who like is an online celebrity like that it's they just live in a world completely different from what we can even imagine you know what i mean <laughs> where it is like that the, 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 honestly uh, yeah in a situation like that they probably immediately think like oh this is this is going on like everything is just how can this translate to being online you know what i mean it's like jesus i don't want to live that <laughs> that life but it was like the first uh, story where breitbart really jumped on to the trump ship was through this uh Article with Blitzerian. Really? Yeah, it has a photo, photo of him and Trump there. The limits of debate in this country are, are established before the debate even begins, and everyone else is marginalized. They're made to seem either to be communists or was some sort of disloyal person. A kook, there's a word. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. And now it's conspiracy. See, they've made that something that, that, is, that is, uh, sh should not be even entertained for a minute, that powerful people might get together and have a plan. Doesn't happen. You're a kook. You're a conspiracy buff. It's funny in a sense that you were saying that about how they met and shit, because I, I think I mentioned this to somebody before, but it's like, part of me, hindsight being 2020, it's like when he first announced he was running for president, it seemed like he would do any any rinky-dink fucking morning radio show out there just to, because he had nothing better to do, and he was now running for president, and that's what he knew, you know, to go on these shows and promote shit. And it's like, I... I just hindsight being twenty twenty, I just wish I just got him on the show. I wish I just tried. And like, holy shit, Donald Trump's running for president. I ought to interview him and see what he has to say. You know? Yeah, he he was on uh, Alex Jones uh, early on. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So A few cool. times he he yeah, that's the whole thing. Is Alex? Well, that's that's what I was gonna say. It's really when I start to say it's amazing. As I said before, you've been in this long time. I have too. It's like I remember Alex Jones when he was sort of when he was like the garage band you know mm -hmm. oh yeah and now now you know i mean last summer he was getting slammed by obama and hillary and shit <laughs> like <laughs> holy shit dude this guy he's done more than anyone in the paranormal i can rec <laughs> recall I, th in I, th sense. I think they made a mistake by <laughs> actually say, saying his name and giving him that free publicity yeah, and that like credibility. If you're slammed by Obama, it means it means you're important, I guess. So it's like, you know, when you're slammed by the president, it's pretty. <laughs> it's not as cool as you know getting getting like <laughs> getting lauded by the president. But I guess if you gotta if you gotta get settled for something, I guess getting slammed by the president is pretty good too. It happened with Bill Cooper back in the day. Really? Remember, yeah, uh, you know, back in the early '90s when he came on the scene, he had his shortwave radio show, and he was really the anti-government uh, stuff. And yeah, come and try to take my gun away, and I'm not going to pay taxes. Eventually, he had a run-in with the cops and ended up getting in a uh, altercation and they getting killed. But uh, at one point, you know, he was really railing against. Uh, Clinton, whatever, and um, in some speech, uh, Clinton named him during that period, which is kind of, you know, once again, more publicity and more of a reason for, Alec, or, uh, for Cooper to say, I'm being persecuted by Clinton, yeah. take away our guns and all that. And that was during the period where, uh, you know, they had the uh, assault rifle ban going on, so, you know, Clinton was... <laughs> Despised by that whole militia scene, Second Amendment yeah. hits. Well, that's interesting. 
Well, I said that this, the evolution of Alex Jones is particularly intriguing in a sense, where it's like, to me, it just mm-hmm. seems like he he became famous, and he liked being he liked being famous more than sort of uh, undermining the system which made him famous at that point. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense, he's like he's like he became famous, and it's like if I open society, I won't be fam- <laughs> I won't be famous anymore. <laughs> Well, he might he might have got compromised along the way too. But when he started out, his uh, claim to fame was uh, he got involved in you know uh, post Waco Waco excuse me the Waco uh, yeah yeah that was his that was his uh, bailiwick when he first started out yeah he he helped them he raised money and helped them rebuild that church you know so and became a figure and started like the show in his. Uh, garage or whatever and, uh, grew over time but you got to ask uh, you know did he have some uh, a hidden hand behind the uh, scenes uh, funneling money into <laughs> and saying uh, oh Alex we love you here's uh, 15,000 through PayPal and also I have intelligence sources in Europe that are saying something about uh, whatever yeah okay. Maybe you could mention that on the show, and I, I'll have more inside information for you, and perhaps, and uh, I'll try to give you some PayPal money every month because you're doing a wonderful job enlightening the masses. Jesus, you where, I'm go- wow. you where I'm going with this? <laughs> um, I would pay for a lot of groceries. Yeah. So the uh, finish up with this Russian influence. Uh, Stuff you know the targets of Alex Jones or the usual Hillary, Obama, whoever yeah. wishes New World Order. And one of them is George Soros. Oh yeah, he's another, he's another character. You know one. all the characters in this. Yeah, yeah. A few years <laughs> back, it's like who the? F- I kind of knew who he was, but it's like all of a sudden he's the uh, demon guy, and it you know it turns out <laughs> he's one of the supervillains. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Putin doesn't like him either. Uh, no. Around the time that these memes started with Soros is when Putin and uh, Soros uh, had a falling out, just like uh, Putin and Hillary did when she, uh, you know, challenged him on uh, the uh, elections in Russia that they were "quote unquote" rigged. And so that's around that time when all a lot of those George <laughs> Soros memes started. Now, what do you think of this? Because I sometimes I, I, I get the sense that this is the argument of the. Wait, 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 of the let me be, before oh. we uh, go on. Did I cut I you understand? off before the end of this train well, of thought? No, but I thought something. I need to finish up something. Yeah, George Soros is. He's like a lot of these rich uh, guys. He's done some good things, some sketchy things, you know, manipulating currency. But you know, he's also did human <laughs> rights stuff. But he's you know seen as a globalist New World Order type right, deal right. and all the humanitarian efforts are basically to enslave us all and whatever. It's not It's not good for, for uh, uh, Americans. Yeah. Well, that's the point, uh, that's the point I sent, uh, in a sense I wanted to make. Like, what do you, what's your, what, the, the rationale I seem to get from the Trump 
folks, the Trump fans, uh, aside from the people that are just like, fuck everything, let's just blow the whole thing up, <laughs> is like, uh, if, I mean, the people like in the conspiracy sort of realm, I think like if you asked like an Alex Jonesian character or the people who support that sort of idea, is that like he's, that Trump and his cohorts are, are um, their top, like, their, their goal is to topple this global New World Order. <laughs> and so we should yeah. just let them do their shit, let, let, you know, that, 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 we're, for, that we're idiots, that we're, we want, the, we want the, the Illuminati to take over, we're not, we're, you know, we just want to be sheeple by not supporting the overthrow of the New World Order via Trump. I think that's their argument. Oh, I think they've been suckered, you know, it's like, uh, it's a money grab. Same thing with all the, you know, Trump's kind of a, <laughs> a wannabe oligarch, you know. And I hear who, who, who knows how much money Trump is really worth if he's, you know, maybe he's totally owned. <laughs> right, we, we, right. We don't know. Um, oh Plus, man, let, me put, let, me, let me advance this argument uh-huh. in a sense, too, where it's like um, maybe that very well may be true, but it's like maybe there's a reason why these people – have been excluded from the new world order because, because they're because they're like no good. So we don't want them to overthrow we overthrow the new world order. They they weren't good enough to make it into the new world order. We don't we don't want them running the world. That's 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 you know? kind of the, the deal. It's an elitist thing, and I think Trump is you know from what I've read about him, he's always kind of looked down upon by. These other billionaires and globalists, or whatever, he's kind of uh, Trump. So he, he, he's a wannabe. He'd like to be in that. He's never quite there because he doesn't have the social skills and the, int, you know, just the intellectual curiosity. He's just a weird, freaking dude. But uh, as far as you know, the uh, theory of being owned, you got to keep in mind that. Uh, no, he went bankrupt <laughs> several times. Oh, yeah. And the, the uh, banks in the U.S. didn't want to have anything to do with him anymore because he wouldn't pay you know, back his loans. He'd sue <laughs> whoever that challenged that. And so he got propped up by uh, Ducci Bank, you know, a decade ago. He had to go out of the U.S., and that's one of, one of those banks that's uh, – Got called on the uh, carpet for money laundering and is, you know, connected to Kremlins and oligarchs and uh, shady characters. So, about a decade ago, he owed fifty million. Is it fifty million? Uh, yeah, I think it might a considerable be. sum. Yeah, it was fifty million, and uh, he wasn't p- making his payments or whatever. He'd blown them off. <laughs> <laughs> and so all of a sudden that kind of disappeared at one point. Here I'm going off on another uh, angle here, but one of the vice presidents there was a guy named Riboloff. Familiar with his name? Yeah. I'm not <laughs> familiar with Riboloff. <laughs> okay. I would remember a name like that. I, I kind of got the pronunciation right, but um, Deutsche Bank ended up having uh, fines against them. For the U.S. Uh, government sued them for... $680 million, and they paid the U.S. government, and actually Russia 
sued him for $5,000. That's probably like five. a wink nod, you know. <laughs> five, $5,000, wow. And so, <laughs> follow me here, this Riboloff guy, he was like um, one of the main guys in the bank, vice president or whatever. Next, he moved to uh, Cypress Bank. Yeah. You've heard Cyprus. Cyprus is like the main money laundering that totally tied in with all these shady Russian mobsters and uh, oligarchs and uh, stuff. So this Riboloff is the guy who bought uh, Trump's property in Florida. Oh, okay. Now I, I, I'm, I'm catching up with you now. Yeah, I know okay. about that. Yeah. It's a thirty. That he bought it for like way more than it was worth, or something like that. Yeah. For a hundred million, it was Trump bought it for like thirty million. And he never did anything. The place is like totally gaudy, even for uh, <laughs> for Trump. You know, it's uh, totally. <laughs> And so this guy bought it for a hundred million dollars, and he never did anything with it either. He was um, he was going through a divorce at that time, so it's pretty clear he was trying to stash money everywhere, you know. And yeah. so, and you start looking into these finances for Trump and Manafort, and they're all tied in with these Russian oligarchs and mobsters. It's like, I'm sure they're looking at that money. So he got $100 million <laughs> went into that. And where'd it go from there? Did, uh, was that part of the deal? Hey, we'll take care of your $50 million loan through Dutchie uh, Bank, but you take this $100 million and you feed it into all these different your shell uh, companies. And then from those shell companies, you pay me back into my shell companies. It's just a maze with all, you know, all the stuff that goes on. A lot of this is coming out now in these Paradise Papers, but uh, we kind of beat Trump to death. I'm sure uh, <laughs> people get tired of this stuff or uh, worn out. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they're writing up some meanness now. I'm sure. Um, well, I was going to mention PizzaGate, but I don't even know if we should <laughs> get into that. That's just fucking weird. I never even. Talk, we don't really talk about that. I, I've kind of worn out on conspiracies in a sense. Just I, I, do, I like the Trump-Russia one, and I kind of like the volleys back from the other side, but I don't like the, when you get deeper into it where it's like false flag and, and uh, <laughs> you know, this thing where it's like, oh, they're actors, crisis actors. This shit's like so fucking lame. To me, it's oh, like... Oh, everything's crisis actor, yeah. Yeah, in, yeah. Any event, any event now, yeah, there's crisis actors. There was crisis actors in Las Vegas and... On and on and on, any major. I'll say with with when the Pizzagate stuff came out, it was like, oh man, I've heard this whole narrative before. Um, back in the early '90s, there was a mind control. What is it? The Kathy O'Brien book, Transformation of America, and it featured Hillary Clinton in there as like a, a satanic lesbian. You know, those stories been. <laughs> going on for a while and they get recycled and also oh back in that period you had the satanic panic with uh, uh, what was the uh, it was like uh, the underground tunnels at a uh, school for uh, children and they were taking the children in these underground tunnels and uh, uh, molesting them this was in California right yeah, I'm forgetting the name of it, but all these elements were there in the uh, Pizzagate story. And you had the people pushing it, <laughs> or all these all-right guys that seemed to be connected to 
the whole Roger Stone nexus of uh, things. So it, it smelt funky to me from the uh, get-go. And uh, some people that I've uh, considered or, you know, have half a brain uh, buy into buy into that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Same here, actually. Yeah, I've I've talked to friends of mine who really uh, who really believe it, and it's like, you know, it's quite the rabbit hole to go down. It seems a little bit talk like the satanic panic. I mean, talk about panic. It's hysteria in a sense. I don't find it very believable at all. I, like, I, I, I the, looked at uh, the you know the Instagram stuff and whatever. It's like, yeah, <laughs> not right, easy. right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I gave it a look, and I was just kind of like, eh, I don't really see. Yeah, it's the McMartin Preschool. That's what somebody, uh, Steve Ray, oh, yeah. our friend Steve Ray, mm-hmm. he's fact-checking for us. He also mentioned, uh, since I know he'll he'll appreciate it, he mentioned that uh, Paddock was into video poker, which is essentially slot machines, while Blitzarian is into real poker. Both work for money laundering, though. So, there you go. Well, could yeah, we correct yeah. the record here? Yep, yep. Um, that's, that's yeah, true, I was going to mention, Franklin cover-up from that time, too, is mm-hmm. a big yep. thing that gets mentioned a lot. And, you know, at all of these, there's an element of, there's some factual element, you know, and that's that's part of the design for influence campaigns, right? Yeah. I mean, there was, there was some truth to the uh, Uranium One. Uh, there's some truth to Pizzagate to the extent that uh, there was some emails that, uh, got leaked that belonged to Podesta, so that you know you start fr- you start from something that's factual, and you build you build your uh, conspiracy theory from that, and so you can go back to those original emails, or you can go back to a New York Times story on Uranium One or whatever. Right, exactly. They, 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 they yeah. use that model of having it's not totally out of whole cloth. There's some factual elements, and the same thing with the whole pedophilia thing. It's been going on in Hollywood for a while. I'm seeing, you know, the stories are coming out now. And whoever uh, Louis C.K. or whatever, and I see people say that proves Pizzagate right there. Every time <laughs> George C.K. or whoever gets. Accused yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I think it's, it's just the time, you know, uh, victims are feeling empowered because other people are, you know, it's coming out. It's a snowball effect. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Some people have, let's say that, like somebody in the chat room suggested that it was like, that, that, that this is orchestrated to get back in Hollywood by, you know, I guess Trump and his minions. <laughs> but to me, it's like... The whole thing broke in the Washington Post or the New York Times or whatever. I thought they were fake news. So, yeah. So like <laughs> well, it's, it's like, uh, yeah, when it works, uh, when the fake news works for them, then, yeah, it's, it's real news. <laughs> then it's real news. Yeah. That's the frustrating part of it, dude. You, you can't call someplace fake news and then cite them like the next day and be like, yeah. <laughs> that happens way too much. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, it was just weird after yeah the election because people started freaking out and coming up with all kinds of conspiracy theories. So it's we'll see what happens. You're right. We should move on from uh, from that. Let me see. Uh, I I, wa- I want to say yeah there is that uh, 
conspiracy theory, though I've heard that uh, all of all of the, like Rupert Murdoch is uh, flushing out all these uh, Hollywood celebrities because they know something's about to drop on Trump. Similar. Oh, I see. And there's always been those. I mean, there's some PPJ, but well, I mean, there's there's a criminal complaint against Trump and uh, Epstein. It you know is like a real thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, no, I know about that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I thought Bill Clinton's like mixed up in it too. That's the whole well, Clinton hilarious twist a, of it. A lot of people are Epstein's buddies, and they whatever uh, you know flew on his jet, and he likes uh, girls. Trump has even said that in an old interview. Uh, Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah, he likes the young ones. Talking um, about Epstein. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of people involved in that uh, network. That's an interesting theory, though, that, like, they, they're priming, they're priming the <laughs> pump. They're getting people ready. But for, by the time uh, we get there, it's like, yeah, so what? He did such and such. So <laughs> yeah. He. So did George Takei. So, <laughs> who are we yeah, to be, judge? Be, to be fair to George Takei, and there's only been, as far as I know, one accusation against him, and it hasn't been confirmed. So you gotta be careful when it's like. Uh, no, that's, I think women. there's two now, but I'm not, but I'm okay. not positive about them. Obviously, Louis C.K. admitted in this Weinstein. That guy's a piece of work, and Judge Roy Moore. <laughs> Oh, geez, yeah. Well, maybe that's, yeah, who knows? It's just crazy. It's really, you know, it's just crazy. Buckle up. It's just crazy. you got to buckle up. Yeah. And write this out. I hope so. I hope so, man. It's a crazy, it's a crazy it's, time to be living in right now. It's a, yeah, I'm kind of surprised about hearing these guys, like, uh, when the uh, Cosby stuff came out. But when you look at it, you know, these guys are twisted it's more about power, you know. I mean, they're perverts or whatever, but it's more about power sometimes than it is the uh, sex. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. They're just super rich. They're just, yeah, they're super powerful people that, you know, that this is... It's kind of like what they always talk about in the conspiracy world, where it's like, they murder people because they can, because it thrills them, because <laughs> <laughs> they're super rich. It's like, yeah, you're crazy. But then more shit comes out, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. I could possibly see how the super rich would have an island where they hunt people. (laughs) This isn't isn't that far-fetched at all anymore. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Oh, man. Makes me glad I'm poor and uh, unfamous. After that movie comes out, uh, we'll see. The authors (laughs) are going to start pouring in. Yeah, let's hope so. I told you, spinoff... Spinoff movie, where you and I have to like uh, some kind of what's that? What's that? Dan Brown like that code? Da Vinci code? <laughs> Hill in the um, hole too. Hill in the hole too. Yeah, exactly. I just came up with that. Uh, vibe. Now, I hate we, we we've already beaten the Trump thing to death, so we'll move yeah. to something that has also been beaten to death in a sense. But I find that you have a wisdom that uh, that cuts against the grain. And sees these things from a, a depth that others don't. So, what do you make of this uh, t- Tom DeLong thing? Uh, you've probably you, you've seen this dog and pony show plenty of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, what's your? Is that pretty much all it is? 
or you think there's some kind of like do you think something else there to it? Some meat on the bone or something? I'm not impressed. I would uh, uh, let's see. First off, when I heard elements of the story, well, yeah, this sounds like the uh, same thing we've heard before with uh, a number of people who've got kind of sucked into it. And I don't know if he's being manipulated or what exactly, but you see some of the same names. Actually, you know, some of the people who were part of the aviary are yeah. part of. Uh, what's he call it, To the Stars. Um, Peter Lavenda's wrapped up in this, and he's been a myth maker for many years. Uh, yeah, he's, no, he's, uh, isn't it, it's like, I guess it's disputed, but, like, isn't the idea that he is Simon, who wrote the Necronomicon? That's been pretty well established, but he doesn't uh, want to actually uh, admit it. to it for some weird reason. There's a great interview that... Uh, Ian Punnett, was it Ian Punnett? Yeah. We interviewed Simon, Ian. right? Well, he interviewed uh, Lavinda, and he uh, basically pinned him down on that, and uh, Lavinda was totally uh, swirly about the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, Ian Punnett wasn't going for it. That might be something to listen to if you can find it on the... Uh, YouTube, but I just and you know they're weaving in these uh, WikiLeak emails. <clears throat> you, you know about that part of the story, right? Yeah. WikiLeak emails with oh 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 they're, they're weaving. We pivoted from uh, from one to the other. So yes, we're, <laughs> they're weaving in the the Podesta emails that said like he was that that you know that he would talk to DeLong or something, right? Yeah, and I heard Lavinda talking about this, and it was like things got escalated. You know, it was like that—that that was like a big event that uh, all of a sudden we were worried about our sources and methods. And so I'm listening to the interview, and I look at the emails. It's like, uh, yeah, they're just using that as <laughs> to bring some drama into it. The, the emails looked like it was, you know, he's contacting. Uh, Podesta to basically promote what he was doing with To the Stars, you know, and he, he makes a lot of heavy weather about he has, he's working with former people with the DOD and former CIA agents, you know, that are part of the team, and it's like, so what? There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of those dudes out there, that doesn't mean... <coughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, lastly, I heard him, I'm being pretty uh, unkind to the guy, but I think it's, you know, it's a whole lot of nothing. I heard him on Joe Rogan. Yeah, that was. I heard that was quite the uh, disastrous interview. I haven't had a chance to hear it, but everyone's talking about yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's not, uh, he doesn't impress me at all. I listened to about two minutes, and it's like, enough of this clown. So, yeah. Pretty hard words, but you know, that was my impression. Yeah, well, like I said, it seems like a big dog and pony show. What the hell do I know? But I could be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But then, you know, as he's been rolling this thing out, it's like they're going to have some big reveal or something, you know? It's like, whatever. This is the next uh, be witness, you know, with the. Right, right. It's like, yeah. Not expecting anything. And from what I heard, it was like, yeah, 
bunch of nothing. It's like, what what is the deal? This is like a project that's going to go on over a number of years, and it's there's going to be books and movies and this and that, and over time we're going to reveal what's... Hey, man, if you got some damn secret that you're going to reveal, reveal it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah well, we, when they mix the entertainment in, it makes it kind of shady. That, too. We've seen this before. You know, it was the same thing with uh, kind of coming from a different angle with Bill Moore than uh, Linda Moulton House. You know, they were promised a lot of things. And at the last minute, they get it pulled away from them, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They were going to be shown or given footage and stuff to show the public to put into a movie. Yeah, that was the mm-hmm. whole story like in the 80s, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was and like... He, and he might be being led down that same path. He's being promised uh, stuff, so maybe that's why they're, they're rolling it out like that. Well, okay, yeah. Uh, book three of uh, Secret or whatever it is will should will make available the actual uh, saucer landing or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Then, then there'll, there'll be the paradigm shift, and that'll be the year 2035 or whatever. <laughs> and and putting, putting myself in his shoes in a sense where it's like, because one of the arguments is that he's, you know, he's been in this for he's been he's been looking at this topic for a long time. He knows he knows this whole game and shit. But my uh, I don't I don't know. A lot of people have been watching. Uh, well, I've been watching Ancient Aliens for ten years now, and I've read a couple, some books and shit. Why? Why? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm well, here's the, the. I guess the point being that um, uh, to put yourself to put myself in his shoes. Mm-hmm. It's like if uh, people say, how can you be fooled by this and shit? But it's like, what if they, in a hypothetical situation, like what if they just took him and they were like, all right, dude, you know, come to this Air Force base in California or whatever, and they showed him a bunch of shit. They're like, we can't give it to you yet, or you can't show it to anybody else or anything. It's your work, you know. So that's why he's all coy about stuff and also why he goes along. And, and, you know, the the shit could be movie props. Like, so we're not saying that anyone showed him anything actually interstellar either. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, like, they could bring him in and show him some CGI movie and be like, this is a real UFO. We captured it, <laughs> you know, fun, you know. But you can't tell anybody. So so he thinks he's in on it, in a sense. That's I kind of think that might be what's... Because mm-hmm. why else would anybody go along with it unless they were shown something that they believe is, is real and that they'll be able to show people? Yeah. And, uh... You know? I've heard, you know, some of the descriptions of stuff. Uh, Early on, he was meeting with uh, different people in the military and whatever, and I could visualize, yeah, he set up meetings with these guys because he wants to find out about UFOs and uh, meets with some people in military intelligence, much like the aviary, people who are interested about this stuff, and some of them know a little something. Well, yeah, uh, there. You know, they've heard reports of craft and other things going on. So he's mingling with these uh, people on the fringes of the military intelligence who also think there's more to the story. But they're all, you know, searching for answers, and they have little pieces of information here and there, but nothing that 
you know, it's like a great revelation. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I feel like I think I think that it's you know nothing's going to come of it. So, <laughs> so <No. laughs> I, if anything, I can see them being like when the rubber hits the road, being like, "All right, dude, we can't give you any of this shit, but what you can tell people that we did this to you." <laughs> and that, that's well, just, you know that'll be the big revelation eventually. He's like, they took me to an air force base, they showed me this shit, and then they, you know, <laughs> same as the stories we've heard, same as how the other ones played out. Well, this is like going to be a uh, project that's going on for a number of years, right? I'm sure that's what they envision, but, you know. Yeah, that's the plan. So now five years from now, the people who are signing on from now or the people who are calling bullshit, there's going to be another audience that <laughs> comes along. So, you know, they could milk this out for years and years. It's like... Uh, why are the ghost hunter shows still going on? They're all the same, right? <laughs> That's true. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to. He's, yeah, he's trying to generate sort of like a like a self-perpetuating entertainment brand, really. Yeah. That's, Which I guess makes sense, but I mean, you know, to me, it's like, why the fuck would you do it with UFOs, dude? <laughs> <laughs> If you if you want to do that, man, like make a comic book or some shit. Well, Jeez. he very well might believe in all of this as well. Totally, I'm sure he does. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, I like to think at the end of the day he's not like a bad person. As for no, as much I as I, I dump on him on the show too, you know. I don't. I don't think he is. I don't think he's necessarily a con man. No, if anything, he's probably like. The opposite, in a sense, like where if you come from that world, you probably think everybody's a con man. So you're fucking <laughs> every, everything's a con. You know he what I mean? Seemed, he seemed a little naive to me on um, the Rogan interview, and uh, ah, that sounds a little harsh, but kind of a simpleton too. I, I mean, suppose, he's, yeah. He's a rock star, or whatever, and people are impressed by that. So, and you're reaching a, you know, a. Uh, uh, kind of a new audience, uh, you know, bringing in that generation, millennial hipsters. You look at uh, people in ufology now, it's all a bunch of old fogies. Stanton yeah, Freeman, that's for sure. On and on. I mean, God bless Stanton Friedman or whoever, but, uh, you know, all the names, Stephen Bassett, Stephen Greer. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, it's like an old-timers club. Yeah. And even the people that seem young, like like Rich Dolan's, like, he's been around (laughs) forever, too. So it's like, you know, like Peter Robbins, Rich Dolan. If you go into a UFO conference, you've heard all this stuff before. I mean, you've been around for a while. There's uh, usually nothing (laughs) uh, groundbreaking. Uh, The people that... uh, of the conferences are usually pretty older too, and it's more like you're, they're going to see their uh, the old friends. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you've been to a few of these, you not only have you heard all the stuff, you've you've met these people probably several times. So it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you may even be on friendly terms with them if you've been to like three or four of these conferences. So. 
so if and you, God if bless you went, them. That's how intimate the community is, in a sense. But if you go to a conference nowadays, and I haven't been one for a couple of years, it's like I'm going there to hang out with somebody. I'll take in, go in and watch. Okay, Rich Dolan, I'll check out what he's saying after uh, 10 minutes. I'm, oh, man, I'm getting a little tired here in my seat. I'll go cocktail lounge or whatever. Yeah, I can't sit, sit still those things either. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a tough slog. Yeah, I, I, that's why I'm I'm like fidgety at the Paramania ones we do. I'm like I gotta get out of here, man. This is supposed to be a party. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man. Um, tell me about this Contact Ease book you're working on with Greg Bishop. I I don't want to be just talk about it. I, I've heard a little bit about it, but I'm afraid I don't want to spoil things. So uh, okay, tell me. About um, it. Man, this has been going on for a while. Uh, I think around 2011, I came across uh, some photos. You know the you know Joe Fex. Have you had him on your show? Yeah, I had him on a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I know of Joe Fex. So he is a. Uh, I mean, he had some wild yeah. stuff back then. Yeah, uh, he's <laughs> he's involved in. Uh, he's an interesting guy, but he's also a uh, uh, interested in f- photos. He's kind of a historian of acquiring photo collections and uh, preserving the material. And one collection he came across, uh, it's called the Beck Collection. This guy named Robert Beck, and if you look on Wikipedia, he was quite an interesting character in himself. Uh, Robert Beck is probably the father of, uh, you're about like, if you've listened to uh, Jeff Rents in recent years, Royal Rife, and familiar with the uh, different uh, machines that can prolong your life and uh, using frequencies or whatever. Bob Beck was big time into that. He's kind of the uh, father of a lot of <laughs> that stuff that uh, Jeff Rentz talks about uh, nowadays. Um, I'm still amazed you're listening to Jeff Rentz. Like, I don't... I haven't no, listened I, to I Jeff Rentz in like a... <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm talking, you know, uh, a year or two ago. You'd always hear yeah. about this, uh, uh, the stuff, ads. So. He had ads for the Royal Rife shit that he was selling mm-hmm. or something, I thought. Because I, yeah, I, I remember having that name drilled into my head every time they went to a commercial. So uh, Bob Beck uh, came up with, like, what am I thinking of here? The, uh, oh, uh, there's a therapy here on uh, Jeff Rents all the time. I could open up the uh, document here, and if I said the uh, catchphrase, you know, oh, I've heard that advertised on Jeff Rents for Anyway, that was... Bob Beck, he was into all this uh, stuff, but he was also a photographer, and he went out to uh, these contactee happenings back in the day and took all the, these photos of these old-school contactees. And I heard about this collection that uh, Joe Fex had, and him and another friend of mine put out a uh, Lulu book that featured all these photos, but the book was kind of crap. <laughs> it, was in bla- it was in black and white, and the photos... Really weren't uh, didn't show up that well, you know. And I think they told me yeah. later I was like the only one who 
bought the book and there was just labels on the photos. This is such and such contacting and whatever. But anyway, it was a great photo collection. I thought this would make a great book, having these photos and kind of creating a who's who of the contactees from Adamski to on down the line to Van Tassel, etc. They're in a lot of these photos. They're all photos of uh, giant rock in this collection. A lot of cool shit. So I got a hold of uh, Joe Fex and we swung a deal so I could use them in a book. And the idea, yeah, this would be like a uh, contactee who's who. And I thought of Greg Bishop. Greg's perfect for yeah. Yeah, he turned me on to a lot of this stuff. So, God, we talked about this. We went to, out to New Orleans in 2012 and uh, agreed to do the book. And so uh, five years later, we're getting close to uh, completing it. I think it's unique. I can't think of any book quite like it that delves deeply into the old school contactees as opposed to the abductees. There's been, like, Aaron Golias has done a book on uh, contactees, but he just focuses on a handful, and Redford did a uh, book, but it was kind of a mix of old and new. This is more dedicated to the uh, all the old-school guys from back in the day with a bunch of uh, great photos to enhance it all. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It sounds like it's almost as much visual as it is... Uh as text, right? Mm-hmm. And you can go into the text, and uh, uh, typically uh, the word count for each entry is uh, somewhere between 800 words. Some are maybe 1,500 words. Some maybe a little shorter. So, and, you know, there's like oof, 50 contactees in there maybe. So oh, wow. Kind of like a who's who. Some of them are... The better-known guys like Adamski and Van Tassel and George Hunt Williamson, there's and there's some ones you probably never heard of whose stories are just as crazy as any of the other more well-known contactees. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and when's that supposed to be coming out? Uh, is, next is year, like a, most likely. Nice. Yeah, it'll be out next year sometime. All right, I will. Uh, I will look for it. You'll obviously let us know anyway. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Indeed. Um, not, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you got. There seems to be a delay. I don't know if it's this new phone or if it's a different way I'm doing the show. But go. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We had the same problem last week. I don't have a delay on my end. That's unfortunate. But uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, see, there you go. Well, luckily, uh, Steve Ray sent in a question uh, that I told him I would ask if we. Had a moment, and I figure we can now. Uh, he says um, he wants to know your thoughts on predictive programming. Are you familiar with this uh, idea? Uh, yeah. All right, good. So I don't have to explain it. So I guess um, he just says that it's a way of hypnotizing the public into imitating movie stars. Um, but I'm sure you have more to say about it. So t- talk about what you think about predictive programming, because I found it interesting. Well, well, James Shelby Downard was... That was kind of his thing that they, through using uh, films and pop culture and popular popular literature, that they were basically uh, kind of programming uh, 
society for these forthcoming events, you know, like you'll see the 9-11 stuff, for instance, right? You've seen some of that, like music albums or what was the uh, precursor or it was a spinoff of the X-Files, the uh, Lone Gunman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the 9-11 thing, yeah. Yeah, that was part of the predictive programming uh, thing was basically to condition society (laughs) as a whole when these major events come that by the time they uh, happen, they'd be so inundated with a lot of these imagery that they they would accept these (laughs) things as uh, acceptable to, uh, you know, uh, current day reality, much like the uh, matrix we're living through right now. That, that's kind of a crude uh, description of it. There was a guy named, uh, remember Kentroversy? Kent Benson? Yes, I had him on the show. He passed away. Yeah, you're, quite a few years ago he died of AIDS, and I had him. He was big into the uh, predictive programming uh, stuff. Yeah, it was like Benkowski or something, right? His name? Mm-hmm. Kent, there you Kent, something, like, Kent, something like that. Kentowski, yeah. Yeah, controversy. God rest <laughs> his soul. Yeah, he uh, he had some wild ideas. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. People point out shit like that all the time. Uh, you know, the whole night. There's actually a commercial with Trump doing like a sleep number mattress, and he or something or a hotel or something where he walks <laughs> past the sheep. Have you seen this? Trump. Yes, it's an old commercial Trump did for like a mattress. Uh, brand, and he's walking mm-hmm. down like a hotel hallway, and there's sheep like at the doors because they don't need them anymore because <laughs> they don't need to count sheep, right? And yeah. Trump is because the numbers on the thing go alternately or whatever. It's like Trump goes through, and it says nine eleven with Trump in, <laughs> Trump in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, what the fuck, man? That's crazy. So well, it's, it's uh, like on the Simpsons. Supposedly they. Did uh, predictive programming where uh, Trump was writing down the escalator in an old uh, episode of, uh, uh, you know, uh, The Simpsons, and that that got that's one of those memes that got spread around the internet. But as it turns out, it was kind of <laughs> it was made after the fact, but it's being presented like you know more predictive right, programming. Right. So <laughs> you got to separate the BS. Uh, uh, predictive programming stories from you know the, the quote unquote real ones. There was a lot of uh, album covers. You've probably seen those that had images of nine eleven on them. Oh yeah, pre yeah. pre nine eleven. So that's predictive uh, programming, I guess, in a nutshell, as best as I can describe it. Basically, con- conditioning uh, people to. Uh, you know, prepare them for these uh, mass events, I guess, and make them more uh, acceptable, you know? We talked about that earlier with the uh, Hollywood sex scandal thing. So. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, that, I guess that would be considered, you could consider it predictive programming. Yeah. It just makes you, but like you said, you got to be careful what you dive into in a sense. Do you remember the thing like after 9-11 where it was like you could fold one of the old $20 bills a certain way and it would like look just like 9-11 or something? It was like, (laughs) A, I don't know who the fuck figured that out. And B, like, (laughs) 
I just I found it hard to believe that they designed the back of the twenty dollar bill like decades earlier so that it would show a nine eleven like like that that to me stretches the imagination. You know? But it's still so it makes you wonder like like again, like who the fuck found this and <laughs> and like does it mean anything? Does it really mean anything? I don't know. It's spooky. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? I know if you uh, start looking for things, you'll find them, you know, like the whole 23 Enigma or the whole 1111 thing, you know, and I don't I don't know if it's so much that uh, you look at how many times a day uh, you look at a clock throughout the course of a year, you know, <laughs> and look right, the week score. Yeah. It's in a way, it's like a high. If you think about it, it's like it's a high traffic time of day too, in a sense. It's like mm-hmm. it's right before bed and it's right before lunch, so you're more likely to look at the clock, you know, to see if it's noon or midnight yet. <laughs> and now you you look at the clock and it's two thirteen. Well, yeah. You look at the clock and it's three fifty five. And... <coughs> right. The one time the time you catch it is eleven eleven. Yeah. And it's eleven eleven. Whoa. <laughs> oh, Steve mentioned something here. Uh we're getting near the end, but I feel like we can cover it. Uh we can, and it feels like it's like right in your wheelhouse. It's like this whole phenomenon of like tar- targeted individuals, like people who say that they're like the victim of like gang stalkers and and like just uh, you know, harassment, like weird electronic harassment mm-hmm. and shit. Have you looked into this at all? Like what do you what, what, what do you get out of that stuff? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, too, man. I mean, there's some compelling uh, stories about uh, people think they're being uh, microwaved or buzzed by, you know, some type of uh, stuff. You look at uh, a weird story is that one in the the American Embassy in Cuba. Yeah, yeah, that one's really weird. More and more about that. I haven't looked in that into that uh, too deeply, but that's that's kind of a weird thing. I mean, that would fall into a target individual thing. It would, you know, who's doing that? Right, lot, right. Uh, some of these uh, stories are, um, they call it like uh, gang stalking, and it's not necessarily the government doing it or intelligence agencies. It's some rogue group that's going around and, putting voices in people's heads, you know, so you got to separate all the craziness, too. I mean, people hear voices in their heads that are like paranoid schizophrenics, you know, and so, how, you know, how much of these are real stories or whatever. You know, I've had some kind of weird experiences personally, you know, that... Uh, where I thought I was being buzzed at one time or another, but uh, it's hard to say. Yeah. There's a great book called Camellio. You have that guy in your show? Uh, no, but I've heard that that book uh, mentioned a few times lately. Oh, he's he's brilliant. It's a brilliant book, and it's kind of a. Uh, it happened post uh, 9/11, and. Uh, much time we got left here. It 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 is uh, really. Uh, I'd recommend uh, people to check that uh, book out. That's a uh, good example of uh, a kind of targeted uh, harassment with sophisticated uh, 
technology, you know, that's pretty compelling. There's a lot of, uh, I'm forgetting the author's name, but... Uh, is it is it a real story, or is it like yeah, a fictional story? Totally real story. It'll blow your mind. Wow. We don't have I'll check it out. Time to get into it. What's that? There's no time to get into it with five minutes left to... Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's some other dude's book, so we don't <laughs> we don't know really much. It's like, yeah, we should we should really talk to this guy. So, all right, for the, I guess we'll sort of lining it down here. Uh, is there any predictive programming in the Hill on the Hole? Steve wants to know. Oh, um, I haven't given that too much thought. I I guess we'll find out. There you go. I know. <laughs> we'll have to look for it now. Yeah, yeah. There's he, a lot yeah. of. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, what do they call them, uh, what's the phrase, eggs, uh, Easter Egg, eggs? Oh, Easter eggs. Yeah, all kinds of winks and nods with uh, dealing with Fortiana. And, uh, oh, that's my favorite kind of, uh, I love yeah, that shit. You'll see a few in the movie. Nice. Well, it was fun making it, man. I had a blast. I can't, you, you got me into the movie, so... I owe you for that, for sure. <laughs> oh, well, the, oh, the, the uh, directors wanted you because they were a fan. They just wanted to meet you. So. Well, they put me in the movie, and it was awesome. Now, as I was joking with you on the set, we're both, uh, we're both. I, once the movie is screened in a the theater, we can be in consideration for Oscars. Mm-hmm. We're, we're under Oscar consideration, yeah. Yeah. And considering the way things are going in Hollywood, we may be the only ones left by the time... The, the Oscars come around, so <laughs> we may have a shot. <laughs> Our odds are increasing. Um, mm-hmm. Now, aside from the contact, so so do you have a do you have a podcast now or something too? What else? What else can we plug here as I as I let you go? Is there anything else you want people to follow you on Twitter? Follow me on Twitter. We have the best exchanges in all of Twitter, I think. <laughs> in the history of <laughs> so, Twitter. Yeah. Now with 280 characters, oh my God, there's no limits to what we can do. What do you think of that, actually? Because you're an avid Twitterer, and I've really gotten into it in the last six months. I really love it. But uh, I, I, th- I think they should have kept it at, uh, what was the 140? Yeah, or at least just incrementally increase it. Don't double it. Like, yeah, maybe it just go to 200. It seems a bit uh, much, but uh, we'll see. It's one of those things, you know. People are resistant to change, so maybe in a year or no, year or so, it's like, oh, this is what it is. We like this now. It, yeah, um, you know what it'll be—the classic <laughs> thing where it's like, could you imagine having to do this with 140 characters? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, <laughs> we'll be like old timers, you know. <laughs> we'll be like, oh, Twitter's about 140 characters, man. <laughs> but you asked, oh, I am doing a podcast, but I haven't done it recently. I'm taking like a uh, hiatus. I let uh, oh, I Smiles hate when shows do that. <laughs> I let Smiles Lewis know because he started running it on uh, his Anomaly Network, basically because yeah. I had to finish up some uh, book projects. So I'll, I'll do more of it. It's called Radio Go Go, and nice. it's either interviews or a lot of it, some old audio I have that I put up with some commentary 
but I have uh, there'll be some stuff coming up. I've done a few interviews. Uh, been working on this, finishing up this UFO disinformation book. So I, for instance, uh, kill two birds with one stone. You know, uh, people I want to interview for the book, like Mark Pilkington. Have you had him on? Oh your yeah. Own? No, we Pretty never had good. him on the show, but I know who he is. Okay. Yeah. So I interviewed him recently because I had some questions about uh, Serpo. He was totally into the Serpo thing for this mm-hmm. UFO disinformation book. Uh, so, I remember Serpo, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's uh, content for the book, but since I did the interview with him, I'll edit the thing and uh, post it as a podcast. A lot, you know, a lot of times you're just interviewing somebody for a book so it's kind of free willing and there's stuff you got to edit and I get pretty deep into the editing so this section here needs to be in a uh, before another section so move things around so there's chronology and so anyway what I'm saying sometimes I get in, into the editing of it and it takes a while to finally uh get it, you know, into a form where I'm going to put it out as a podcast. Yeah. All right. Much, much Interesting. You know, different, different approach than what uh, you do or a lot of uh, podcasters. So what, a lot of bells and whistles, you mean? Not a lot of bells and whistles, though, but just going through, uh, like, editing a manuscript, you know? I hear you. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I used to, like, really fastidiously edit the shows back when we pre-taped them, but once we started going live, I pretty much just try and turn them out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can. It's, it's a live show. That makes it easier. Just do it and put it out there. Don't worry about the uh, yeah. going back. Well, the British nanny is here, so she's telling us to go to bed. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so AdamGoRightly.com is the website? Sure, why not? There you go. And Adam Go Rightly on, on Twitter, at Adam Go Rightly. Folks, follow Adam and me. This is this whole show has been the purpose is for more, <laughs> more people to follow Adam and I on Twitter and and get tuned into the insane ramblings <laughs> yeah, we've there been was, exchanging. There was, there was somebody, I'm forgetting the uh, person's name, sorry, person, who yeah. uh, posted well, you made my day, you and Banal going off on whatever you were going off, and I com- commented to him, uh, I'm a little worried about you that you understand our humor, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, many days it's the highlight of my day. So I will, uh, oh, I'll okay. see you on Twitter probably <laughs> later tonight, <laughs> man. And thank you for doing the show, and I... I I, I love you, man. I really do. Uh, the movie got me in a fucking movie. You were the eighth guest we ever had on the show. I mean, uh, we've gone back, you know, over a decade now. So I, I can't put you over enough. I hope I see you in New Orleans, I hope, at Paramania, mm-hmm. and if not, uh, in, in New England for the premiere of uh, The Hill in the Hole. <laughs> right on. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Good night. Thanks, man. My pleasure, buddy. There you go, folks. Adam Gorightly, the living legend himself. Uh, I can't thank him enough. It was awesome uh, having him on the show. Like I said, I got into this weird foot-dragging thing here uh, after Halloween where it was like 
it's time to it's time to crack open the vault here and bring in bring in some of the uh the long 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 time guests on the show and Adam was on the top of the list so uh and <laughs> that's the perfect segue to the question I've been getting from countless people to a frightening level over the last uh week or so probably since the Halloween show or maybe when I announced there was a Halloween show but it's getting over and over again people asking about about Rux giving is there going to be a Rux giving and uh of course there's going to be a Rux giving so that's next Tuesday night 9 p.m. uh the holiday tradition like no other uh Bruce Rux back for uh the annual Thanksgiving special I can hear the folks cheering now and uh I I'll say this at the beginning of the show a spoiler for the people who listen all the way to the end um, I'm, I'm hoping, even though we're wrapping up season ten, I'm pretty much banking on there still being a holiday special, uh, you know, after season ten, both Rucks Giving and the uh, holiday special with Stan Frieden, probably the year in review with Greg Bishop too. So, I think those three, the trio of holiday specials, are going to continue into the future uh, beyond season ten. So do not cry that this is the last Ruxgiving because there will presumably be a Ruxgiving 2018, 19, 20 hour long. Uh, Bruce, Bruce and I want to keep chatting about this shit. So uh, that's the good news. That's next week, uh, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving at 9 p.m. I don't have the specific date in front of me. What's today? The 14th, so I guess the 21st, uh, Tuesday the 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Ruxgiving 2017. Oh, that's the other thing. Send your questions. Send your send your questions for Bruce Rux. So uh, info at banalofamerica.com or just hit me up on Facebook, uh, banalofamerica.com, the page on there, or uh, as was the point of this surreptitious clandestine program, uh, follow me on Twitter and uh, follow Adam Gorelli on Twitter too. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and send me your questions on there if you want. So I guess I'll put a post there and post on Facebook and all that good stuff so people uh, can put them in one long chain and I can read them easier. But, yeah, questions for Bruce Rucks, the holiday tradition like no other Rucksgiving 2017. Next week, Tuesday night at 9 p.m., and uh, I guess that's it. On that note, thanks for listening, folks. Until next week, Rucksgiving, baby. This is Tim and all signing off.